you're like that I, this time I waited no. so our highs didn't overlap I know but then I was waiting for you to come in and so I was like hello and then it's just like forever and ever amen I'm gonna switch it up every time oh this gives me anxiety I need consistency in my life okay welcome to say smut a literary a literary podcast a for readers and non-readers we're fine everything's fine nothing's wrong and everything's fine anyway this is a literary podcast for readers and non-readers that is sarah and she still loves books and i almost did you almost call me shit did you almost call you shara well that's hope and she loves talking and i promise we are not this ridiculous every well that's Look, debatable i love talking i never said i was good at it <laughs> uh anyway that is hope and she does love talking sorry each episode that we do sarah breaks down we have lost our minds okay I'm sorry it's fine you know what for, for those of you who have not joined it's us totally before i break down the plots of some pretty wild books to hope who has not read them and i haven't and that's still true and that's still the premise of this podcast it didn't change at all episode to episode so yeah we're only like six episodes in so uh we can't we can't change it up that much anyway hope has a really big announcement because we were supposed to say this last time but we ran out of time or we forgot who knows I do. I have a big announcement. The good news is that it's still relevant. So I'm going to make it right now. This is a non-book announcement. Um, I am thrilled to tell you that last week, so right now we're recording this, spoiler alert, it's the 21st of June. Um, And those people are still in that submarine that we still don't know what's going on. So Let it be known they are still in that video game remote controlled submarine. Yes. But the week prior to this week, I lost my whole entire mind and my whole spirit floated above my body in joy and ecstasy. Um, And it's because of this. As you may recall, if you've listened to our prior episodes, Sarah has mentioned that she and I enjoy um, the Dungeons and Dragons show called Dimension 20. It streams on a service called Dropout, which the elderly among us will remember as college humor. That's what it used to be called back in the day. Now it's called Uh, Dropout. Yeah. Just, you know. Not to date us, but here we are. Uh, Anyway, Dimension 20 typically features comedians, improv, uh, improvisers. I don't really know if you prominently do improv. Improv Improvists. It's funny because I did do improv for a little bit in high school. um, So you'd think I would know, but I don't. I was famously actually really bad at it. Anyway, but comedians, uh, improvise. I guess, and the love of my life, Brendan Lee Mulligan, um, as well as a bunch of other actors um, come together each season. They do a Dungeons and Dragons campaign. Um, the campaigns span across several episodes. It's super funny. Um, all the stories are incredible. So this is a show. Look at the fuck up. It's incredible. Sarah and I love it. You know this about us. The reason that my whole mind exploded and my whole spirit left my body is that last week, Dimension 20 announced that the next season, which is going to premiere uh june 28th so this is probably going to come out on the 26th so in a couple of days if you're listening to this when it comes out if it's the future and you're listening to this it's and you know what happened to those people in the submarine sorry i can only yeah travel back in time and tell us where they are (laughs) i I can only give time in increments of this submarine okay sorry keep we need to make time for space travel and the ability for someone from the future to come back into the past which is now to tell us where they are so we can find these people yes ma'am okay 
Anyway, no, if you can do that, go ahead and interrupt me. If not, I'm going to keep going. Anyway, so last week, D20, which is what they call it for short, announced its next season. It's coming out on 28th, and it's going to be, drumroll please. Oh, so excited. Dungeons and Drag Queens! <gasps> so excited. Dungeons and Drag Queens. Not only is it my favorite show, which it is, but it is my favorite show mixed with my favorite art, which is drag and has been and always will be. So Brennan Lee Mulligan, who again is the love of my life, is going to be the game master for this campaign. And it's going to be followed by the following players who include, A, they're all incredible drag queens, but my absolute favorite drag queen is one, which is Bob the Drag Queen. I'm deceased. And Monet Exchange, I die. And Alaska Thunderfuck 5000, also going to be doing this. And Juju B, I can't. <laughs> It's like the best group of people DM'd by my favorite DM. So uh, I will say I was oh. watching We're Here a couple nights ago yes. with my dad of all people. And oh. um, I do have to say this would be made better if Shangela was there. I would just would love nothing more in my life. Incredible. So I pulled a little quote from the website real quick. Just like the slightest preview of what the campaign is going to be about. It's all it says is get ready to death drop into the underworld with your favorite queens. So go watch the trailer and then go watch the series. I'm so freaking excited. That's Thank the you whole for thing. that announcement. Very exciting. I really, um, I true. It does. It. This has not happened to me often, but I honestly, I knew the trailer was going to come out, and I pulled it up on my phone when it went live, and I played it. And the second, I think it flashed a drag queen before it even flashed anything else, and I truly just like my jaw physically opened and just dropped and I was, yes. and I just screamed a little bit and I was real happy. So, I mean, I think we all have those moments in our life, but I'm just so glad just, you experienced it. Oh, it's going to be great. Well, I love to move from one exciting thing to another because this book has been highly requested this week. Mm -hmm. um, we, I have gotten DMS. We have gotten an email. I an email. Shout an out email. to my friend Robin. Robin, thank you. I love you. I'm waiting for your follow on Goodreads. Um, and I just want to say this is like such a book of TikTok stardom. I feel like we talked last week specifically about um Ice Plane of Barbarians becoming really popular because of TikTok. And I think that was just a really good display of it because it was such a wonky type concept for people to get their head around. But mm -hmm. this is like even the author said in one of her interviews, like, I really think that like, yes, I love that I'm doing this. But at the same time, there's this element of luck that was in here because everybody mm -hmm. bought this book peak pandemic when yeah. everybody was sitting at home reading and they wanted just happy, go lucky, lovely stuff in their life. You know? Yeah. They were tired of, of case numbers every day. At least I know we were. Oh, I know we were. So uh, this is going to be the love hypothesis by Allie Hazelwood. So before we get in, there is here are your content warnings. We have sexual harassment, sexual con, uh, consensual sexual content, death of a parent, and cancer. I am going to be kind of breezing over the death of a parent and cancer element because it just describes a situation. So it's not going to be fully in depth for this. Mm -hmm. I think it's always good to give like that kind of context because like sometimes I'm like, well, I don't want to listen to a whole story about that. But if we're just going to breeze mm -hmm. over it, kind of, then I'm okay listening to it. So. 
Uh, this is actually a really high rated book, both on Storygraph and Goodreads. It has about a 4.2. I'm rounding up Storygraph because that's a 4.19. We're just going to go up. To yeah, it's basically a 4.2. It's basically, but Sarah gave it a five because Sarah nice. felt so good reading it. I actually handed this book. I didn't hand it physically, but I gave the recommendation to my friend, um, Madison, uh, who she was like kind of in a reading slump and she read it and she was like, Sarah, is this like my new thing? I'm like <laughs> obsessed with this book. It's so fun. Um, so a little bit about Allie Hazelwood. She's actually an Italian neuroscientist. Oh, so like wow. if anybody wants to feel, um, dumb like me, uh, just <laughs> look up Allie Hazelwood's credentials and you'll be like, oh my gosh. Um, so this is her first book. Uh, most of, oh, well, I shouldn't say most, all of her books focus on women in STEM and academia. Ooh, sweet. Yes. She actually started by writing fan fiction and I'll get into that in a second. Uh, she wrote a lot of fan fiction when she was in grad school and in her postdoc. And so as a neuro neuroscience, she has a background in academia, as I mentioned. Uh -huh. And um, she's like, look, and this was in one of her uh, interviews. She said, there's this mentality of like work hard and almost play hard, which leads up to like a lot of hookups and like relationship drama that's like happening. I think we've all been in those groups of people where you're like, this almost feels like incestuous because we're all in the same. Like if you've worked at a restaurant, which I can say this because I've worked at many, like you all start dating the same people. And yeah. then like, if you went to the university of Northern Iowa or the university of Iowa, or perhaps or you participated university. in dance marathon. I don't know. Yes. Maybe or like, the dating pool is a little smaller. Or like if you were like in a theater program, <laughs> or, you know, like anything like that, that is like small group of people with just high energy and like a lot of energy to burn off. Anyway, I worked um, at a summer camp all summer. Perhaps. Oh my gosh. Yes. Summer camp energy. Um, so she was like, so she pulled some of that for inspo because obviously <laughs> she's been in these situations. Um, so I do want to say this caveat about her. Cause I always want to be transparent about maybe some critiques that the author has had. Yes. She has received criticism, and this feels like a very superficial criticism to me compared to some other things that we might run into with authors, but that her two main books, because she has written three novellas um, that were all in one, now they're packaged in one book, but her two main books, Love on the Brain and The Love Hypothesis, people say they are the essentially the same plot with essentially the same characters. And some have said that she was trying to shop around the love hypothesis to be published. And while she was doing that, she was writing love on the brain. And so she mm -hmm. didn't know if that first book would sell. So then she wrote the second book very similar to it. Okay. Um, which explains a lot. I'm going to be honest. I hated love on the brain. Um, I don't know why, but the characters like, I don't know why they fell in love. I think that they were like really annoying. I think the main woman was supposed to be so smart and she made like the dumbest decisions. And I'm like, why is this happening? But this one, the, the love hypothesis, I absolutely adore. And I told hope like leading into this, I think it's because there's so many small conversations that just feel so relatable. If you're hanging out with your friends, if you're hanging out with your crush, like these are things that we've all experienced. And I think that's why we know why they fell in love with each other. 
Um, so with that said, I do want to also say that a lot of romance books follow the same baseline plots, you know, like, right. You know, there's that, there's that one theory that like, there's only actually eight plots in the world or whatever it is. And like, you just get different variations of them. Have right. Heard that before. Yeah. We're like, well, yeah, I mean, we've talked about, what is it? Grumpy sunshines. Yeah. And cinnamon roll heroes who still depressingly aren't cinnamon rolls wearing capes. Yeah, still waiting for that to be a mascot. Maybe like Cinnabon needs to call us up and we'll help them with that. Look, I have a million ideas. She does. Um, So I just, I'm fine if the book follows the same baseline. And people say it's romance if it has a happily ever after. Whereas it's women's fiction if it doesn't follow the happily ever after concept. So I don't know. But at the end of the day, we all know that they're going to end up together we all know it's all going to work out in some way. And so I don't mind if the plots are the same as long as they're packaged differently. And the like the epitome of that to me is Tessa Bailey. Like all of hers have pretty much grumpy sunshine plots, um, enemies to lovers plots. And I'm like, that's fine. But at least she packages it. So I feel like I'm reading something new, you know? Mm-hmm. So with that said... Are you ready to hop into our book? I'm so ready. Although I'm a little bit scared about being confronted with another science and math possibly heavy theme No, I book. promise. It's not as heavy. On I don't get into any of that because I don't understand it. Famously now, not my jam. I'm going to tell you right now that this started out as Raylo, which is Kylo Ren and Rey oh, fan fiction man. from Star Wars. Interesting. So um, that's where this all started. And even if you look at the cover, which I will show you later, mm-hmm. it is literally Adam Driver and whoever the girl is that plays. <laughs> so just, I want you to put that in your head that it is Adam oh. Driver is our main love interest. I'm going to try. I look, I don't mind, but I don't mind from like an Adam Driver perspective. I do sort of mind from like a Star Wars perspective. <laughs> really? There's no, okay. Other than them liking Star Wars, which by the way, Love on the Brain. Look, they bond over Star Wars. And, I'm like, and okay, to clarify, yeah. I like Star Wars. I don't love the Kylo Ren Ray relationship the most Why? of Why? all of them. It just Why? felt a little forced to me. Oh, okay. Okay. That's I, not what I this was shocked about. when they kissed. I was like, I Sorry, was spoiler alert. Not uh, shocked. <laughs> because it just was out of the blue. Not in that moment. I was like, why? Why now? I I literally, I think I just like her pumped in the, I was like, (sighs) I was like, I can't, (laughs) are you serious right now? I don't, yeah, I I mean, that's a similar reaction to my feeling about it. That's similar to, I was just going like, oh. So before we get into the story, into the story, now that you have a visual, Mm -hmm. I had asked Hope to quickly tell us the legality and copyright concerns maybe around fan fiction because for many in the book community this is probably not your first time running into a fanfic that's been turned into a book another example is the after books by anna todd which was originally one direction fan fiction and i can't remember was it harry and louis that they were supposed to be between and they like anyway so it got it eventually got turned into an actual book that became its own concept so it's so far removed now that it can be its own intellectual property but i would like hope to get into the legality of fan fiction yes and i will say that that is going to be a little bit of a recurring theme in what i'm about to tell you about fan fiction monetization and 
how it works and is it legal and can you do it? Um, when it comes to publishing and profiting off of fan fiction, eh, the names of the game are copyright law and fair use. Um, and the legality varies. So uh, we have many sources for my breakdown today. Uh, Sci-fi.com, uh, the NYU Journal of Intellectual Property and Entertainment Laws blog, a blog from Loyola University Chicago Center for Compliance Studies, the Washington Post, Hasbro's website, you'll find out why later, uh, the Office for Intellectual Freedom of the American Library Association, and so on. Like, it goes on. Wow, it's you fine. really dug. Yeah, I really did. But join me for this adventure because it's it's legal. So I we I try my best. Anyway. Okay. I got a lot of helpful information from an infographic that I found that was titled The Fair Use Fundamentals on fairuseweek.org. So Fair Use Week slash Fair Dealings Week is a week that took place in February of this year. I assume it always takes place in February, but it promotes the uh, progression of freedom of speech by way of fair use um, and creating things under the protection of fair use. So I'll get into what fair use is in, the, in a bit. Um and I'm not going to go on about it. It's not super prominent. But they had a really great infographic about copyright law and fair use. And this is what I found out. So copyright law in general is intended to be a balance that gives authors a limited control over certain uses of their works while also encouraging everybody to, and this is a quote from the infographic itself, uh, to use existing cultural and scientific material without permission under certain circumstances to engage in a wide variety of vital activities. So basically uh, authors will can have parts of their work copywritten, but uh, there is also freedom for any person to create new works based off of that work um, or to create like videos critiquing that work and including a, quotes from that work. Um, there's, there's a lot of different cases. Um, mm -hmm. It is thanks to Ruth Bader Ginsburg Rest in peace. Ruth, um, thank Supreme you. Said, yeah, thank you so much, Ruth. That the Supreme you. Court said that fair use is a First Amendment safeguard, safeguard being the key word there. Um, the Fair Use Week website heavily emphasized that fair use is for everyone um, as well as all around us. So there are several examples of cases that were determined by courts to be fair use. So uh, using quotes and reprinting things in journalism is fair use. Shows like South Park that make fun of uh, like culture and pop culture and parody, that's fair use. Um, converting books into Braille and to make them accessible oh, yeah. is protected under fair use. All kinds of stuff. Um, but not everything is fair use. With the line, because I think a, a lot of people consume Dramini fanfic. Mm -hmm. I think like that is... Harry Potter fanfic is so normalized right now. Um, and so I want to know if people can like create characters that are obviously Draco and Hermione and Ron and Harry and Ginny and stuff. Where is, is there any line there that you're saying it wouldn't be covered by fair use? Absolutely. Um, one thing that I want to say that I found out about fair use in general is that, um, it is a protection for the ability to create works using, you know, certain aspects of, of copywritten work, but it is a defense. It's not like the rule. So you can't just uh, take someone's work and be like, I'm making uh, Harry Potter 25. Let's all go yeah. and jive. And it has all the characters of Harry Potter books and they all go to a funky disco and you sell that book. Like, that, is, that would not be protected under fair use. Yeah. Um, it's 
it is a defense that can be used, but it is up to courts to determine if your work is a case of fair use. You can't just make something and then claim that it's fair use. Yeah. So th there is a line for that. Um, it's basically there's kind of two different categories of things for us to talk about here. One is uh, fan fiction that is fair use. And, and then kind of when it becomes not so much so. And also what yeah. fair use is in general. What fair use is in general, um, when a court is looking at something to determine whether or not it was created under fair use, um, they look at the purpose and the character of the thing you've created, um, the nature of the copywritten work that you created it off of, how much of the work was used in what you made compared to the copywritten work as a whole. So basically comparing the two to say, uh, is this verbatim the same yeah. almost, but you've only changed a couple of things or is this, you know, kind of jumping, using this as a jumping off point for deeper inspiration. Um, that's another thing they consider. And then is there an effect upon the potential market for the original author? So like what will Beyonce's fans think and do if she is parodied on a South Park episode, will she lose fans or money? Things like that would be yeah. taken into consideration. Um, it's also, in general, very important that your work is transformative or add something new by way of added character or expression or adding new meaning to something or function. This doesn't necessarily mean, like, oh, I it, it happened in the same Harry Potter world, but I switched around a couple of character names and now it's cool. It has to be, like drastically different yeah that. i would assume they they like have like a percentage almost or like an equation in their way of thinking of like here's what can be passable and here's what not right so then where in general though you can write your fan fiction about your favorite franchise it is recommended that you ask first some people and i'll get into this a, a very tiny bit don't want you to do that but generally you can um, when it comes to making fanfic for coin, that's a different story. So Jennifer Kopp, I believe is how she says her last name, um, a staff writer on the NYU Journal of Intellectual Property and Entertainment's Laws blog. What a mouthful. All of these journals, very long names. It's a blog for NYU's Journal of Intellectual Property and Entertainment Law. Mm -hmm. What a treat. Anyway, so in this art article, it's called Is Fan Fiction Legal? Um, Jennifer had stated that authors can run into legal issues when their fan fiction becomes commercial. Uh, there is a 2010 ruling in a case called Salinger versus, versus Colting, um, in which a court ruled that attempts to sell an unauthorized sequel to the book Catcher in the Rye was not fair use. So someone oh, had, I don't remember what the name of the book was called, but essentially it was like Catcher in the Rye catching again that's not what it's called but <laughs> something like that and then they tried to sell it and this lawsuit came up and they're like you can't just make a sequel to my yeah. work and then try and sell it and it was not fair use um a very common example that is brought up when discussing fan fiction and fair use and making money is 50 shades of gray and yes. i know what i'm about to talk about is uh very preaching to the choir for the bookish of us but for the fellow me's out there who don't read as much I'm going to get into this a little bit. I got some great information to summarize this from Loyola, Loyola Universities. Uh, they have a Center for Compliance Studies at Chicago. And they did a blog called Fan Fiction, Crossing the Line from Infringement to Fair Use, which had some great deals on the Fifty Shades of Grade deal. The summary, though, that everyone needs to know is this. 
So before Fifty Shades of Grey was the E.L. James book it is today, it was a Twilight-based fan fiction posted to fanfiction.net under the name Snow Queen Ice Dragon. Rock on, the best name of a a writer, probably, that I've ever read. Anyway, um, it was explicit, which, you know, of course it was. And reportedly it was taken down from that website because of its explicit content, not because of its being based off of Twilight. Okay. Um, Snow Queen Ice Dragon went on to, and I'm using air quotes here, which you can't see unless you're watching the video of this podcast, but to rewrite the story as well as rename it. Um, I've seen in some reports that she primarily changed the names of the characters uh, more so than she did a whole lot of tweaking of the story itself. But the book was renamed, or the story was renamed Fifty Shades of Grey. It was published on its own website before a book deal was signed, and then it got picked up, and that's how it became very popular. I don't know, because I have not read the original version um, of this fan fiction, but so I can't speak to the, how much the original differed from Fifty Shades of Grey. But Stephanie Meyer, either way, did not take action against the author. Um, my understanding, though, <laughs> is that maybe she still technically could. Um, I read a Washington Post article that was titled, The Most Scandalous Part of Fifty Shades of Grey Isn't the Sex and Bondage, which is a great headline. That is um, great. And that said that James renamed the characters in Fifty Shades of Grey, but didn't rewrite the book. So the original work was called Master of the Universe. I didn't say that before. Oh, before oh. it was called Fifty Shades of Grey, it was called Master of the Universe. And the characters, I think, were like Edward and Bella named. Oh, oh no. And, but, oh, he, no. But, he, but he worked like a corporate... So it was the story of Fifty Shades of Grey, but Edward okay. and Bella, and it was called... I know, this is a lot to process for people who didn't know. And it was called something entirely different. It wasn't originally called that. Anyway, so it was originally called Master of the Universe, and that's just something we're all living with. But anyway, um, a blogger ran the original version and the updated Fifty Shades of Grey version through an anti-plagiarism software called Turnitin. And oh yes, I know yes, Turnitin. We've all, we've we all, all know Turnitin. We all are trying to not plagiarize in college <laughs> and high school. Um, but the play, uh, Turnitin found that eighty-nine percent of the text was identical. But so. <laughs> So, I'm sorry. That yeah. is just like so. Let me just they, add an they, extra comma here. Let me just <laughs> the, the put publish, an extra space. The publisher maintains that Fifty Shades is original now and no longer based on Twilight. Oh, but is it though? Can just, it ever really be original? <laughs> that turn it in would suggest eighty nine percent of it is the uh, look. That's that's all. Anyway, that's great. <laughs> so that's a quick summary of that scenario. The, the the key takeaway being that specifics aside, the the reason that like before Fifty Shades of Grey became Fifty Shades of Grey, it was called something else and not yes. as easy to find on the internet. And then it got character name changes and other tweaks and name changes and its own website and like was kind of able to spin its way into being its own separate thing, which is how we're able to make money off of Fifty Shades of Grey. Although I will yeah. again include the caveat from the Washington Post article, which says that maybe technically it yes. might not be even, even Fifty Shades of Grey might not be a hundred percent cool. Um, but back to fan fiction for money. The general summary is this. You can make fan fiction. Uh, the cases in which you can make it legally uh, in, and make money off of it are conditional. Uh, I found a really great quote from Sci-Fi.com in an article that 
had a quote from Heidi Tandy, who is an intellectual property attorney. And she said this, I'm just going to quote it directly because I think it is the easiest way to understand it. So non-commercially distributed fan fiction is seen as legal in the United States, as long as it's a transformative work, which we kind of talked about before. Mm-hmm. Commercial fan fiction, so fan fiction for money, is legal everywhere that the source work is in the public domain. Yes, so, so like Winnie the Pooh just yes. went into public domain, I know. Yeah. So right. that would be... Mm-hmm. Okay. That, that's why there's things like Shakespeare in Love and yes. Something Rotten and West Side Story. Uh, most of the Disney movies, which are based on all kinds of different works, like Hamlet. Yeah. Um, all the different variations of Little Women. So that is legal if the work's in the public domain. Which Not, I think like it has to be like a hundred years or something, right? Yeah, I can't. I I forgot, but it, yeah, it's some period of time like that. Um, and 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 those are kind of your two circumstances. You really aren't supposed to make fan fiction and make money off of it. So for um, so for my bookish people out there, um, many of you know Manacled, which is for those who don't know, it's a fan fic. It's a Germani fan fic, Drake, Draco and Hermione if they were in a Handmaid's Tale situation. And it's got all the same name. It's post, you know, Harry Potter war. So Uh it's got all the same plot that it's almost like what you said, like a, like a sequel to Harry Potter, if it were like this fanfic world. And it's on AO3, which is archive of our own. And I did impulse read it last fall in a depression stint (laughs) over one weekend and it is like 76 chapters i don't want to even tell you how much reading time that was but many people have been like oh i want a physical copy of it because it's so good and i love it so much but she can't sell it right like she can't sell this fanfic so some people have um started to make their own like bind their own books Mm -hmm. of it you'll be very proud to know that i have a little snippet about this (gasps) do you really i do because i give it to me put the work in yes before we do that i'm gonna do one quick hop back and then it's actually the my last thing about this that i'm gonna i'm gonna talk about um my last quick jump back is if you're going to make fan fiction always credit Yes. Who you, you know, your world you got your information from. Uh, almost every place I look recommend trying to ask the artist for permission. Some people, like Hasbro and Star Trek, are totally cool with it if you make fanfic and set out very specific guidelines that you kind of need to follow to make it legally. But they do that so that you don't have anxiety over whether or not your fanfic is legal, which is super nice. Can I the ask? Reason- who's what what's hasbro doing in this chat bless you sarah i am so glad you asked me that because who's making fanfic because i (laughs) also when i saw that was like what properties does hasbro had that we could make fanfic and or smut out of so then i put an aside that's why i have uh hasbro as a source (laughs) is that i went to the hasbro website and then i went to the shop by brands tab some of the brands that hasbro has include power rangers G.I. Joe, Transformers, My Little Pony, Peppa Pig, all kinds of brands. Fanfic away. Make what you want. Okay. Okay. Uh, Potato, potato person. What? Potato head? Mm -hmm. Mr. Potato head? Just potato head now, I think, actually. Oh, sorry. Potato head. Mm -hmm. Uh, Non-binary. That's why you said potato person. And then I realized that was not the rebranding, but I couldn't remember what the rebranding was. It's actually just potato head anyway that's why you can you can make fanfic about hasbro products but you need to follow their guidelines 
some people like Game of Thrones writer George R. R. Martin really fucking hate it and I, will get I'm mad at you sure if you do he it. would. You know so, what? So don't. <laughs> Why don't you finish your books first, Mr. J. George R. R. Martin? I mm. okay. There was another uh author who famously hated this, and I can't remember her name and the only reason I'm bringing it up right now is because a lot of the articles I read that mentioned it were written between the times of like 2018 and uh, mid 2021. And when I looked her up to look up what book she had written, she had died in like late 2021. Ooh. So it kept saying she actively hated it. And I can't really speak to that because right now she's actively not alive. Um, but I can't remember her name anyways. It's not important. All that to say, uh, ask before you make it. Some people have very specific guidelines. Um, most people will not come out and sue you for making fan fiction, but if you try to make money off of it, then maybe they will. The very last thing I was going to bring up, which will bring us back to book binding. Uh, this was mentioned in the NYU blog that I read. So it is popular. I also think that maybe you and I have talked about this off yes, podcast, have. but it is, it is popular to bind fan fiction and then sell it but essentially charging the cost of the materials yes. to bind it in the shipping um i can't speak for whether or not people add a little money so that they can take it off the top yeah. i don't know because i've never bought one i don't know what it costs to make one but the legality of that is a little murky as well basically the most recent articles i could find about it were kind of uh about two years old 2020 2021 2022 um at the time of those articles publishing there hadn't ever been any litigation against a fanfic creator for binding those books and then selling them. Okay. But I think the delineation would be if you sincerely just printed off someone's fan fiction and then bound it in a book and shipped it. And then someone paid you only the cost of the materials and the shipping and you didn't make any other money off of it. I don't know. Like, I think technically that's, probably fine also i feel like it'd get really murky too if you were like yeah. here thank you for this gift i'm also going to gift you this amount of money <laughs> yeah <laughs> so determined it's actually for a good you know if if there has been litigation in cases like this i don't know about it because there hadn't been as recently as i guess 2001 in the article that i found about it but oh. it's questionable I I feel like we could do a whole aside about the amount of like intellectual properties being For tested sure. because oh, yeah. we could talk about obviously all the fanfic stuff, but then you, you brought up a really good point, which is like, when does it become public domain? Right. Like, and uh -huh. I'm thinking, um, Winnie the Pooh recently became a public domain. And then there was that horror movie that they made about uh -huh. Winnie the Pooh. And it's like, incredible. Okay. This is wild. What, things are going to become open to the public just because we are getting later in the years and obviously more media has been and more stories and more content has been created over the you know 1900s and then mm -hmm. into the 2000s that it's like oh my gosh we're gonna see so many things just open to the public and it's gonna be like free reign just winnie the pooh smut for days <gasps> i can't imagine don't do this don't bring the minors into this. I I can't tell you what to do with what's in the public domain. I can't either. Well, thank you so much for that report. That was really interesting. I um I feel like again, I feel like we could talk about it forever. But let's jump into our book and we're actually going to start with a prologue, okay? 
Our main character, Olive, is getting ready for her interview to um, the Stanford PhD program. Mm -hmm. And her contacts were really messed up because they were expired or something. And she like stumbles into a bathroom that's off a lab because she's trying to like get her eyes under control because they're all fuzzy and like she's tearing up and like, you know, she can't see. And then this guy walks into the bathroom and is like, "Uh, what are you doing here? And she's just like, I'm so sorry. I thought I could just use this bathroom to get myself like myself together. And Mm -hmm. he was like, are you crying? And she's like, no, no, they're literally just tears because my contacts are really messed up right now. And then they have this weird heart to heart about why she even wants to be in the program because she tells, you know, us over How did this come up? Us yes, oversharers are get in awkward situations and then we overshare and we then step away from the situation and think, why the hell did I do that? So this is exactly what happens to her, which is like, I swear I'm not crying. I'm just trying to get myself together for this interview. I'm trying to get into the program. I don't even know if I should be doing this. Should I be doing this? And he's like, oh, well, man. like, why do you want to be in a PhD program? And she's like, I have a really specific question that only I can answer. Like, I have to study this. This is what I'm passionate about. And he's like, and then he was like, surprise, this has been the interview the whole time right yeah. now in the bathroom. <laughs> surprise. We You're are in. unorthodox here at Stanford including the Stanford prison experiment, but was that a Stanford a prison? you're <laughs> Am I right. Am I right about that? What? By the way, Stanford prison experiment was Stanford, right? I don't remember. Can I won't pretend to know. I won't, I don't want to, I don't want to be incorrect. Anyway, there are no introduce topics. I didn't research and then I'm ask so you. What's sorry. True. I don't know. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I went out of your jurisdiction there. Um, anyway, so he's like, I think you'll be fine. Like, I think you obviously care about the material. So fast forward almost three years and we are now in chapter one Mm -hmm. where we are walking into a situation that she is kissing a strange man. So let's give you some context. Olive was dating a guy, Jeremy, only like she like went on a couple dates with him. They weren't dating, dating, you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? And then she introduced her to her best friend on and, those two kind of hit it off. So Olive was like, cool. Like Jeremy and I didn't really have that big of a connection. Anyway, I'll step back and let you guys do your thing. And on was like, I'm not going to date him girl code. Obviously I wouldn't betray you like that. And so now she's like trying to show her best friend, like, no, go be with him. You guys clearly have a spark. You guys clearly have a thing. So go be together. And on still trying to do the right thing. So Olive was like, you know what? I'm even, I'm into another guy actually. Yeah. Don't even worry about it. Don't worry about it. I'm on to the next. And actually, I'm going on a date with him tonight. You and didn't. actually, oh, actually, already, you never have to, you never have to lie. Actually, she <laughs> went to the lab because she's supposed to get out of the house, right? She's not supposed to be home. She went to the lab and sure enough, it's like around midnight and she's running her little tests and she's walking down the hallway to see her best friend on also walking down the hallway. And she's like, oh shit oh shit, I'm not supposed to even be here right now. And she turns and she sees a guy over by the water fountain and she's like, uh, can I kiss you? And she thinks he says yes. So then she just smacks one on him. Okay. Oh no, that's not so, crystal clear consent. <laughs> which we will get into. So um, when she pulls away, she realizes she has now kissed Dr. Adam Carlson. Mm. And this is the big old bully of a professor. He makes students cry. You question their life. He's a big old grumpy grump. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um. Again, be picturing our boy Adam Driver. Thank you. Oh, so this is Adam Driver. This is Adam Driver's character. Yes. Yes, and Mm. he is big old grumpy grump. 
and troubling. he like this is the epitome what i knew what i was gonna like this this thing this book was that this is the insane situations that rom-coms get us into this would never happen in real life that's true but you would never grab somebody in a hallway because you're supposed to be on a fake date and it's now midnight and you're in the labs and you're kissing the grumpy hot dog uh professor grumpy hot dog (laughs) doc (laughs) he is technically he does have a phd so anyway he's like did you just kiss me and she's like no also (laughs) hold on i need to backtrack because i have a point of clarification so did she know of this of mean dr adam driver before like had she met him before this encounter they work in the same kind of like school of the university but they don't they are not in the same department okay Okay. so we will get in that in a second okay i'm trying to mentally justify going you will be able to you going up to to. someone i'm gonna finish what i was saying just so that everyone who else also had this thought and is screaming at their podcast listening to devices asking the same thing i just i wanted to get some clarity on the time of uh seeing a person being like uh random dude can i kiss you which is not yes kissing them then stepping back and then being like oh i somehow in the moments prior didn't realize when i asked you for consent for a kiss that you were this big asshole dr adam driver it is a little unclear how you would not immediately notice that considering okay, he's okay, supposed to be like okay, really okay, tall okay. and like handsome and stuff, but whatever. And, and a big asshole who makes people cry. We're going to take our belief. We're going to suspend oh it. God, take it again. We're going to suspend you're, it. If you're not watching this, you're missing out, but I'm physically holding my disbelief and I'm taking it and putting it right over my head, suspending it right up there. And this is going to be a regular theme in the podcast where I ask <laughs> you to look the other way. Okay. So he's like, did you just kiss me? And she's like, no. And he was like, um, oh, not at all. He, he's like, um, okay. Uh, are you sure? And she was like, I okay, fell. Okay. But you don't understand. And he's like, I could file a title nine. Uh, <laughs> she's, which is like kind of a joke, but she doesn't know it's a joke. And like, but is it a joke? You know? Um, anyway, so after explaining the situation that led her to this point, uh-huh. she kind of just like realizes you do have absolutely the right to file it against me, a complaint against me. You you have the right yeah, to do that. I am so sorry. I'm going to just walk away. I got to be, be honest. The context doesn't make it chill. She's like, she like starts freaking out and then she kind of runs away. Okay. Now Bye. we're going to skip over to the academic side of things. Uh-huh. She is studying and I'm going to dumb this down because I am not a, a scientist of any aspect. She is studying non-invasive ways to detect pancreatic cancer early. Okay, Okay. because there's really no non-invasive way to do it. And she's been emailing around to see if she can get into some labs to continue her research because her professor is going or her advisor, professor, person that's Mm -hmm. been managing her uh, is going to be retiring. And also the funds are up at Stanford for her to do this research study. So she needs to go find another professor who will help fund her research. And we'll get into that in a little bit. But she gets an email from a Tom Benton who is a famous cancer researcher saying her research sounds interesting and like, we should talk more about it. I'm coming to Stanford in a few weeks or days or whatever. I'd love to meet with you. And she's like, wow, that's huge. Okay. Meanwhile, her friend on confronts her about the kiss she saw. And she's like, I'm pretty sure I saw that. And uh, her friend, Sorry, she's like, hey, friend, did I see you assault a mean Dr. Adam driver in the hallway? Uh, did, uh, you absolutely did not see that, even though there was like no one else there because it was like midnight on a Tuesday or something. That's my for real 
guy that I definitely date. So she's like confronting her and she's about to tell the truth when who walks up? Dr. Carlson, Carlson, who walks up and starts acting like her boyfriend. And then when uh, her friend on leaves, she's like, uh, what? Like, you did not have to do that. And he was like, no, nah, I need to get back to like write my Title IX complaint. And he was like, no, I'm totally joking. And she was like, you absolutely have the right to. Like, <laughs> I, I know that this was really sketch. And he was like, hey, maybe you should just start calling me Adam, you know, for when she's around. And also, like, maybe I should walk you to your car, you know, in case she's still around. And, like, you're kind of like, okay, uh, dude, uh -huh. got it. <laughs> like, uh -huh. All right. We've so <laughs> maybe I need to get coffee at the coffee shop you work at a lot. I, I get I, it. Yeah. We've, we've all done it. We've all done it. And so this is like a soft launch of the date, fake dating situation. Soft launch. So after the confrontation that. from her friends, people start treating her a little weird because now she realizes <laughs> the news has got around. Because now they realize she assaults people in the hallway. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> they think she's dating this big old meme professor. Huh. So she's like, uh, everybody's treating me differently. Like, this is a little weird. And um, she goes to him and he was like, hey, your, you know, your friend and your ex, whatever, are finally getting together because they believe that we are now dating. Maybe we should just make them continue to believe it. Sure. You know? And yeah. she was like, well, what do you get out of fake dating me? And he explains the school considers him a flight risk because he doesn't have wife and kids. He's renting his home. He has no extended family in the area. So they have frozen some of his research funds until he commits longer to the program. And she's what? like, that doesn't sound like a whole lot. And he's like, no, it's actually millions of dollars. So she's like, you know what? Let me think on this. Okay. So he actually goes and checks. Yep. You're going to suspend that belief. Ooh, sorry, guys. You can't see my face. It, it is <laughs> petrifying. I can say that her face is petrifying and I'm scared. I almost want to cry because this is, again, one of my faves. So No, it's great. I just... Okay, I did judgy. Just... You know what? We did this no, last I'm week. I'm not being Let's judgy. Let's do it again. No, Let's do it again. I'm not being judgy. I, I didn't even bring my jar of judgments to throw around the podcast today. I am laughing simply because... I did additional different research for this episode and surprisingly this sort of a deal not existent in in ways you can get or loot. I don't want to give away what my research is. In in the corporate world this would be an HR complaint. I would think that this would be a massive HR complaint. I think it might be considered discriminatory. <laughs> I do too. To threatened to or to take away funding from a person based on their lack of uh, being married and renting owning a home <laughs> and not having a uh, family around anyway, anyway my spending belief i don't i belief who needs it okay so she's like okay i'm gonna think on it and he actually goes to the dean just to be like hey what's the dating policy because i don't want to do anything that's obviously inappropriate so What's like the dating policy? Oh, the one where you have to be dating to keep your job? No, the one about dating people at the school. Oh, that dating policy. So it turns out that while they do work in the same building and he technically is higher up than her, which there's still a power difference there, he doesn't necessarily work in the same field as her. So it's like right. he, he has no control over her academic standing or anything. So it right. is kosher as long as they report, you know, yeah. we are together or we're not together. So I'm more concerned about the fact that this man could lose his job still, to be honest with you. Don't worry. We'll get into it. 
So they decide uh, to do the fake dating plan, but they have rules. Okay. Mm -hmm. There are always rules and fake dating plans. There is no sex. There is no other dating just to make things, you know, clean cut. You know, we Mm -hmm. don't want to see around with other people. Mm -hmm. And there's an expiration date, which is September 29. And that is the day after the school's final budget review. So he's like, if I can't get the money by that point, I'm not going to get it at all. I am in fact leaving. Yeah. So they also decide they're going to regularly meet in public on Wednesday mornings at the school cafe to be seen in public together. Right. Mm -hmm. So Olive's other bestie, Malcolm, who's like the besties, I love them, but they're kind of not important in the the overall storyline. Um, Malcolm like is mad that he didn't know about the relationship. So she comes clean to him that it's fake. And obviously it's a secret and he's the only one in on the secret. Okay. Mm. So she has her best friend on and her best friend, Malcolm. And so Malcolm knows on does not. This so, movie honest feels like she should have been in love with Malcolm the whole time. Moving on. Um, I'm going to let you know that Malcolm, I think is bisexual, but I don't, don't worry. We, we, we get to Malcolm's love life shortly. Okay. Um, so they're doing their coffee dates and each time she's like, Oh, he's not actually that bad. Actually. He's kind of funny and he's super hot. Okay. So remember all that like important stuff about the cancer researcher, Tom, who emailed her? Yes. So he's coming to Stanford to collaborate with a colleague um, and wants to meet up with Olive while he's there. That's great. Mm -hmm. Except for when she finds out that Tom's colleague and best friend is Adam. So. (laughs) That does make things weird. Yeah. Yeah. And so. Could be a conflict of interest. And, and immediately Adam's like, let me just step out of the picture. Like, she's like, I didn't even know that you guys were friends. And like, Adam's like, I don't, I don't want to get in, in trouble here. So I'm just going to walk away. And Tom's like, no problem. We're just going to grab a coffee and talk about her research. You know, no big deal. It's just casual right now. And so yeah. they go get a coffee and, and Adam is stepping back, kind of being like, this is weird. And Tom starts asking her about her research. And it's obviously very personal research. So this man starts kind of like nailing her with questions of like, did someone, you know, get diagnosed? Who was it? Did they die? How old were you when they died? It's very invasive and not at all about the research. Weird. Yeah. So we learned that her mom had it and she did die from it. And it's very Mm -hmm. emotional for her. Mm -hmm. And so she starts obviously having a physical reaction because she doesn't like to talk about that side of things. And then Adam steps in and is like, hey, stop being an asshole. You're going to stop right now. And in the end, Tom's like, hey, why don't you write up this report for me about what this research would look like? And I can take a look at it and see if it would actually fit into what my lab can do. Because one mm-hmm. of the things is that like not many labs have the resources she needs to conduct the studies she needs. Sure. So then he says, if I end up deciding to do it, I will cover everything. I will cover like your salary and blah, blah, blah. And we'll get you into my lab next year. Okay. And Adam assures her, like, Tom's not going to give you special treatment just because we're dating. Like, he literally, like, fired his cousin because she, like, did something really stupid. So he does not have a whatever. (laughs) People famously always love their cousins more than their friends. Yeah. Well, and then at the same time, if she goes to Harvard and works with Tom, it'll make Adam look like more of a flight risk. So they need to kind of keep this on the DL. Okay. It would be great. Something occurred to me while mm-hmm. we were uh, taking in this information, but was not related to this information, which is that I realized Stanford exists in this world. So it's in the real world 
So mm -hmm. Star Wars exists in this world and also Adam Driver exists in this world. Yeah, no, again, we're... <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's up and I'm hoisting it. It's just... It just has to be It just has to be an Adam Driver-esque My disbelief character. is so heavy that I, I'm pulling it up with a rope and it just keeps dropping down because my little noodle arms are too weak to hold up I just my disbelief. To... Okay, then imagine somebody slightly different than Adam Driver. I don't care who... Just somebody slightly different. Mm -hmm. who, I need a he different. Probably does have a doppelganger around here somewhere. I need a different famous Adam. Okay, somebody, somebody, look that up for us. Thank you. Um. Okay. So the next day, Tom gives a lecture in the auditorium. Adam Sandler. Everyone is welcome. No, no, no. no. Abort. Abort. I hate Adam Sandler. I'm so sorry. Absolutely not. No. Anyway, let's resume with the book talk. That was like a jump scare in itself. Please stop that. Okay, we are actually going to the next day where Tom is giving a lecture in the auditorium and it's completely full, like students sitting in the aisles full. And on and all have come in and they're like, we can barely sit in this little aisle. Um, hey, you know what would be really helpful is if um, on is like, hey, can you just go sit on Adam's lap? Like, I know you guys are dating. We're at the back of the auditorium. And obviously... Olive is like, this is so unprofessional. I'm not going to sit right. on my boyfriend's lap at work, at yeah, his work, essentially. It, it, like, it would be weird if it was just your boyfriend, but you and your boyfriend didn't work at the same place. It's extra weird if you work at the same place. And then she's like, honest, like, literally so many sketchy things happen during lectures. It's going to get dark. No one's going to worry. We're, like, in the back of the auditorium. It'll literally help everybody who's sitting in the aisle right Does now. Does that? Does that happen in lectures? So then she points out a time when somebody apparently got a handy during uh <laughs> I and I did not somebody... have that same experience. Stanford must be a crazy place. I mean, people be crazy horny in those academic settings. Anyway, so finally she's like, you know what? Like her her friend just kind of like pushes her into this situation and it just happens. Okay. And so then the lecture ends and everybody's out in the parking lot trying to leave, you know, all these cars mm -hmm. backed up and somebody's battery dies and that oh. backs up the traffic. So of course, hunky Adam is there to help push the car out of the way. And Olive's friends once again are pressuring her. Hey, you should go give him a kiss for his hard work. You should go, you should go tell him, thank you for moving the car because we're also thankful, you know, yeah. and I'm going to be absolutely honest right now. I would be that annoying friend. <laughs> I would make it everybody's problem. <laughs> that my friend was dating somebody we work with. I would be oh, so obnoxious funny. about it. No, so, I would not. <laughs> then there's this little kiss moment there too. Um, so in addition to people treating her weird, his negative interactions with students are also impacting her relationships. Yeah, so, don't forget, he's still an asshole to everyone else. Well, and we'll get to that. So one of her classmates pretty much accuses her of like pillow talking with Adam about his students. And Adam and Olive get into a text argument where she's like, hey, you could be nicer. And he's essentially like, I'm doing my job. And what we do as scientists is actually really serious. So when I see lazy work, I'm going to call it out because I'm not going to allow people's lazy results to go down in history as research, which I'm kind of on Adam's yeah, side with this no one. Like, problem with that, Dr. Adam Driver. And she's like, he says, she ends the conversation with, well, fuck you, Adam. That's a direct quote. <laughs> fuck you, Adam um, Sandler. Then there's a department cookout and they roll up and Adam's there shirtless playing Frisbee. As you do at the work cookout, be shirtless. And so her friends bully her once again into giving Adam some sunscreen and putting it on him. 
as you do at the work cookout. Yes. And they don't really address the fuck you comment at this point, but it is like a more sexual tension. Mm-hmm. Now, in a later scene, she opens up more about her mom's diagnosis. Turns out her dad wasn't really in the picture. And then she was put into foster care and emancipated, um, got emancipated when she was 16. And then he explains more about being a professor. And he's like, I'm sorry you're getting backlash. But once again, like, I take what we do very seriously. And like, I think it's just because I'm a little cold. I'm not necessarily trying to be an asshole. It's just I'm not going to cater and nurture these kids' feelings when we're dealing mm-hmm. with really serious right. stuff here. Yeah. And I think that's probably very true when you look at the situation. If you read through the situations, it's like these guys with fragile egos who really don't know what they're doing. And they just really want to be patted on the back and told, like, you're doing a good job. And th- this professor is being like, no, I'm going to be hard on them because sure. what we're doing is serious. So then they continue have very sweet like smaller moments, which again, I think that's why I buy into this book. So then Tom invites Olive over to Adam's house to talk about the research. Cause he's like, this is so normal. You, this is your boyfriend's house and I'm staying here. So you might as well just come over and chat with me. So he has a bunch of questions for her and then reveals that she should join him next year at Harvard. So it's like, yay, yay. And then Adam asks her, why did you want to join Tom's lab? And she was like, actually I emailed a bunch of people and like no one responded except for him. So mm-hmm. I didn't really have an option. So then she puts it together as they're like driving in the car together. She's like, you know what? I think Adam might be that guy I had the conversation with a few years ago. in the bathroom. bathroom. Sure. Because it was his lab's bathroom. And Um, he says something that's very similar to what the guy said to her in that bathroom. So she doesn't tell him, but she's like, I'm pretty sure that was you. Okay. So now she's realizing she's kind of falling for him in this fake dating situation. Who could have seen it coming? I'm shocked. I know. So in fact, she's telling Malcolm how into Adam she is at 10 a.m. on Wednesday at the coffee shop. Uh-huh. And she's like, I don't know how I'm going to like, I don't know how I'm going to tell him like, how do I even address this? Like, this is so awkward. Like, he's probably not even into me. And like, meanwhile, Malcolm's like, shut up. Shut up right now. You sure. gotta stop talking. And sure enough, the who's standing time. behind her? Surprise! Surprise, it's Adam. But she's able to convince him that it was about another guy. That she's into another guy. And he totally buys it. He's like, because she never really said his name. She just was like, I don't know how to get out of this fake dating situation. Oh. You know. Oh, but so I'm really did, he over, did he overhear her say she was trying to get out of the fake dating yeah it's kind of like there was oh, some okay. wordage there that made it sound like okay. like i want to end this fake dating situation because i'm into this guy I how, thought, do, how do i gotcha, even have that conversation gotcha. i so, thought that he'd only heard the part that was like i'm really into this guy and he was freaking out about her feelings and i, I would have said we could have chalked that up to really trying to buy people into the lie but i see now yes continue so then who ends up interrupting that conversation he like way easily believes her but there's another person who ends up th- interrupting their conversation and it's another professor named holden so now if you're keeping track we've got olive and her two Uh friends malcolm and on and then we have adam's two friends holden Mm -hmm. and tom okay Uh i just want to make sure everybody knows most of them have interrupted each other in this conversation inception style have so apparently he grew up with adam and he hates tom and for references of diversity holden is gay this will be important when we do our uh, we did it. roundup. So I just 
we do have a bis I think a bisexual man, a uh, woman of color. Uh, we have uh, Holden who is gay. So we are getting diverse around here. Also, Adam is technically an immigrant. So is Olive. Adam was born in uh, the Netherlands and Olive is from Canada. So we have immigration involved as well. Mm -hmm. So then finally, mm -hmm. Holden like makes it clear. I fucking hate Tom. I think he's an asshole. But we all were kind of in the same circle because we love Adam. But then um, like Holden leaves and Adam and all of our like, you know what? This fake dating situation is working out, but we are friends, you know? Yeah. And just definitely just friends. Adam turns to her and is like, you know what? You're extraordinary. And I think you should tell Jeremy how you feel. Oh, I'd forgotten about Jeremy. Uh-huh. So he thinks her whole expression of love was about Jeremy. Oh, no. Now he'll be devastated uh -uh. Uh -uh. thinking it's Jeremy instead and of And she, this mother ever doesn't even correct him. She's just like, mm-hmm. Nope. That you got communication, you guys. I say it every episode. Yeah. So Adam goes out of town to hang out with Tom at Harvard for their collaboration. And mm -hmm. meanwhile, Holden talks to Olive in another conversation about how much better Adam has been since they've dated. And he's like, I'm so finally he I'm so glad he finally scrounged up the courage to ask you out. He's been going on about this amazing mystery girl for years. Um, and oh. I was concerned about and he was concerned about them working in the same environment. Um and now she thinks there's another girl involved because she's like, this is hotshot Dr. Adam Carlson. I've never been on this man's radar. I don't think I've ever been on this man's radar. That's I'm just why self-confidence is key, everybody. Then she gets asked to speak at a big deal conference about uh -huh. her kind of what she wants to go into her research about. And she thinks, uh -huh. I can't do this because I hate public speaking. They also start talking like, okay, a bunch of people from the university are going, but hotel rooms are hella expensive. Airbnbs are also hella expensive. And Adam's like, hey, you know what? I've got a room with two beds. Oh, oh do you? And uh, we can people just think we're staying together because we're dating. So it's not a big deal. And contrary to popular belief, there is a no, there's no one bed trope here. There is actually two sure, beds sure. in the hotel room. Okay. That's fine. Crazy. You only need one. <laughs> but like, it, you, you don't know, have to use them both. Yeah. But, but her point being like, haha, screw you romantic comedies. We actually have two beds. We're going to sleep in separate beds because Definitely. we are only friends. We are only Definitely. big dating. For sure. So Adam is a keynote speaker, which is obviously a hotshot deal. And she's like, oh my gosh. Um, but my presentation is during the keynote. So that means you can't go to it. And he was like, so devastated. And then she was like, well, I'm going to film it for my advisor who couldn't be here this weekend. So you can just watch it after the fact. And he's been like helping her with it along the way, mm -hmm. like helping her get confidence. It does suck very much to have your very important speech be scheduled over the keynote of a whole event. Yeah, so she's literally like, I'm hoping no one will show up. Pretty yeah. The assumption so would be scared. mostly nobody would show up. So surprise, Tom is at her presentation, and so are all of her friends. She does an excellent job, and then obviously people are like saying congratulations to her, and then they start filing out. And Tom comes up to chat with her, and he's mm -hmm. like, "Hey, you know, you're gonna have so much fun next year at my lab. You know, you're gonna gain a lot from my lab, and um, I have everything you need." Oh no. I mean, I'm really doing you a favor right now. Oh, and, no. Um, oh, no. 
Then he grabs her and tries mm-hmm. to kiss her. Mm-hmm. And she dodges and is like, what the actual heck are you doing? <laughs> no. <Yeah. laughs> I, I was just like, like huh. <laughs> act first, ask for forgiveness later. Okay. Right. Um, and so he's like, look, you're a pretty girl. You should know how this works. I mean, I didn't. I hate it so much. He's like, I didn't. He's like, I didn't pick you because you were actually good. Oh no, legally blonde. He's like, essentially, you fucked Adam to get ahead, didn't you? No. And now you're going to fuck me to get ahead. Oh. And that's just how the system works. So you cannot tell me that that's not what you were trying to do here. And she's like, I'm going to tell everybody that you're doing this. And he's calling her names. He's, you know, and she's like. I'm going to tell everybody. And he's like, no, you won't because who's Adam going to believe his girlfriend of like two weeks, or is he going to believe his like college best friend? Gross. And then Tom also admits that he's like, Oh, Adam's always got to have the upper hand, but I'm going to get one up on him by essentially screwing you. He's like, I'm going to take his girlfriend from him. I hate my friend. So there's like this jealousy (laughs) element that we will also get into there. And oh, she's like, brother. you know what? I'm not going to come work with you next next year. I'm not. I couldn't imagine even working with you, you disgusting pig. And he's like, no you shit. actually are because if you don't remember that report I had you send me with all of your processes and whatnot. Oh. I'm just going to do your research actually because now I have all of your reports. Oh no, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. a real, oh, no. real blackmail situation. What are you going to do at this point, Hope, if you were our main girl, Olive? Cry. Mostly yeah. just cry. Um, I'm trying to think of what, like, the logical, if this actually happened to you, what the best case scenario next step is. And I suppose it's maybe talk to the police. Well, remember. Like, but I feel like it's going to be, I feel like it's going to be, go have sex with Dr. Adam Driver. <laughs> I mean, you're not too far off. So she goes back and she absolutely cries. I mean, I am such a crier. I love it. I'm glad we were all on the same page about that. This is pretty fucked up. We absolutely are. So she goes back and she's sobbing in the hotel room and Adam comes back. He's like, what the hell's wrong? And he's like all worried about her. And she tells him a lie that she overheard somebody shit talking her presentation afterward. And she's like, maybe I'm not made up for this. Maybe like, Maybe I should just like quit it all, you know, and whatever. And so he comforts her and he's like very obviously attentive to her. And then he's like, let's go out and get some food and stuff. And she was like, wait, we're supposed to go to like this mixer, you know, like a conference mixer if you've ever been to one. And he's like, no, we're actually going to go do our own thing. Okay. So they actually go to an, she asks him to go to an all you can eat sushi restaurant with one of those sushi conveyors. (laughs) Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. And the whole time he's like, he's like, please let me pay. I will pay anything to just go sit at a real restaurant. And she's like, but can the food move around you? Absolutely not. We're staying here. (laughs) Like, which is so my mentality. I'd be like, the food comes to me. Yeah, we're paying for the experience. Okay, I don't care how tacky this <laughs> if is. If I could position my mouth in such a way that it could just stay open, and the sushi yeah. would slowly shovel into my open mouth hole, that there's got to be, gotta be like a Kirby. There's like a Kirby gif, right? Where it's just yeah, like just sucking in, except it's only sushi in this case. <laughs> it's only sushi. Um, so look, I would be a bitch for a sushi train restaurant. Um, there's but- little that we aren't bitches for, to be fair. But I love, <laughs> I love to mention 20 and drag queens. 
I love sushi. I love Brendan and Lee Mulligan. <laughs> well, we'll just make a, a bitch list. Okay. She's a real bitch for all those things. Anyway. So they go back to the hotel room. Of course, she forgot her pajamas because why would you come prepared when you go half all the way across the country? Um, so she he gives her a T-shirt and they have this little heart to heart about how he never felt good enough. And so that's why he expects his students to be good enough, which sounds like trauma you should work through. Um, yeah. But then he also expresses like how much his friends were there for him, Holden and Tom. And she's like, Tom. <laughs> Tom, eh? <laughs> Which, uh, by the way, I'm going to take this quick break to be like, if any of you are uh, reality TV watchers and you know the whole Scandaball uh, situation on Vanderpump Rules, Tom suck. Tom suck. Tom's and that's all bad. you need to know. I'm, I'm sorry, but I have, I don't have any Toms in my, actually, I take that back. I know one Tom that I enjoy. And I know a couple good times, but I, we know the same Tom that I'm thinking of, by the way. That's um, true. Yeah. Yeah. I, I knew who you meant. I'm related to a couple of Toms and they're pretty cool, but I get what you mean. Yeah. There's, I'm sorry. There's few that I can That's tolerate okay. at this point in life. So anyway, she's like, uh, so they have this heart to heart and then she's like, goes in for the kill with a kiss. And this <laughs> is their first kiss of them actually kissing to kiss. Right. And he uh -huh. quickly dismisses her and he's listing all the reasons. He's like, I, I'm technically your superior. This is supposed to be a fake dating. You, you said you didn't want anything physical. I'm trying to respect that. Okay. Like, and she's like, no, I want this. I want this. I want this. I want this. And he, she's like, she's like, yeah, yeah. She's like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, then, <laughs> and then finally he's like, maybe we shouldn't do this because you're in love with somebody else. And the dummy that she fucking is doesn't correct him yet again you guys and it's not that hard just just say the words in your heart out loud life's just too short <laughs> and she just is like you know what like i'm ready for this to be a like we are both into each other unless you aren't maybe you aren't and he's yeah. like grabs her hand and puts it on his crotch and he's like am i now yeah like i don't you couldn't we're being pretty direct guys He's like, literally, I am so horny for you, but I am not, I'm not going to act on it. Like I, I'm trying to respect all these boundaries, right? Because my heart is horny for you too. But we don't express that yet. So she just makes him go on and believe that she's in love with Jeremy. Okay. <laughs> so then finally they're like, okay, we're both into this. Let's do this. And they kind of insinuate that it might be like a one night thing, right? They don't outwardly say it, but they're like, let's just live in the moment. Just enjoy give it this a whirl. Now, right. Well, so they gosh. begin hooking up. And I'm going to be honest, this is a very vanilla hookup scene. He goes down on her. They end up having sex. And then later she goes down on him. So mm -hmm. I'm not, there wasn't anything like crazy. But sure. here's what I want to say about this scene that I have talked with other readers about. The big picture is that this is such a realistic sex scene. Oh. And it's like they're getting comfortable with each other and they're communicating, but they're cracking jokes. And then he gets distracted by her boobs. And then she's like, honestly, I'm nervous to have sex with you because I sex isn't easy for me. Like I mm -hmm. get in my head and I get worried and he's like, okay, then let's ease into it. Like let's. And so Aww. it just feels like this is not like a hot and heavy. We're doing it. And she just has the easiest orgasm in the world. It's like, no, this is a really honest human interaction. That's awesome. I love that. Yes. And I love it too. I think obviously she's like, even when he goes down on her, she's like, you might be down there for a while, like feeling bad about it. And he's like, yeah. thank God. <laughs> he's like, all right. You. Um, reservation for one. Um, 
I'm pulling up a chair right now. Pulling up a chair. Let me enjoy this seat real fast. Anyway, so so I think a lot of people related to this because it's like yeah. these are two people who in their internal dialogues, they're almost um, demisexual, if I'm referring to the right thing. Or um, yeah, demisexual is when you have to have an emotional connection to be sexually attracted, right? Um, can you fact check me, please? Yeah. Anyway, yeah. they come from the perspective of like, I haven't been super intimate with people. I don't have casual flings. I have to be into somebody emotionally in order to do this. Yes. Uh, demisexual. Well, this is according to the Cleveland Clinic, which is the first thing that came up in my Google okay, search. Cleveland. So, we okay, you. Cleveland Clinic. Um, according to the Cleveland Clinic, demisexuality is a sexual orientation where people uh, identify. Uh, who identify as demisexual only feel sexual attraction to someone after they form a strong emotional bond with them. Compared to the general population, most people who are demisexual rarely feel sexual attraction. Interesting. So So they they had even kind of addressed this internal dialogue of like, mm -hmm. he's not sleeping around with people because he never found it important or never like really made connections with people in that way. And she's Mm -hmm. like, I haven't had the greatest sexual experiences and I'm just, you know, it, it is hard for me to be sexually. And this is actually a theme through Allie Hazelwood's books where she kind of addresses these types of relationships between women and their sexual desires is like, some of them are people who can just sleep around, but some of them are like, I even wonder if I am ace because I am sure never, you know, feeling that sexual urge. And mm-hmm. so it's just, I think what is so refreshing about this sex scene is just how vulnerable and authentic it feels instead of these stereotypical smut scenes. Yeah. We love those too. Yeah. This is awesome. So um, they have a wonderful night of vanilla, very normal sex. And then um, we are not obviously uh, sex shaming there because we love vanilla sex. We love all sex. We have vanilla is great. Uh, But by the way, um, we are not at boyfriend, girlfriend status just because this happens. Sometimes that happens in romance books where they finally sleep together or they finally kiss. It's just assumed you're dating immediately after that. Yeah, That is not where we're at. Um, And they're having a combo. And he's like, I actually might move to Boston because I am going to actually interview uh, for a job at Harvard. And he's going to go to the campus and interview later that day. And she's like, He's like telling her how great it'll be because he'll be there when she's at Tom's lab. And he's like, I can help you settle into the area. And like, I'd forgotten about Tom because I got excited about Dr. Adam Driver being nice. Yeah. And so he, she's like, uh huh, uh huh. Mm -hmm. And then also remember, he wasn't supposed to be a flight risk. Right. And so it's like, wait, what? And so he dips out and she, her friends come into the room. And by the way, Malcolm hooked up with Holden. Mm, I was going to, uh, it had occurred to me that might happen and I was going to blurt it out, but we were in the middle of something funny yeah. and didn't want to stop us. Everybody's doing professors now. Very we, We're all doing it guys. But th- we're all doing it appropriately where there's no power dynamic that would impact your career. Yeah, um, we're all there's doing no power it dynamic. Legally and consensually. Yes. By the way, it is now September 29th, which oh. is that. Oh death. no, the expiration date. I wrote down September 29th expiration date. Yes. And then I wrote a heart next to it. And Adam texts her to go for dinner that night. And she's like, because now he's going to stay at a hotel near the campus. So she has this hotel by herself. So they're kind Mm -hmm. of in separate. And he's like, hey, we should go for dinner tonight. And she's thinking in her brain, no. Why would I do that? This dude's expired. (laughs) This is expired. Um, Throw it out. 
So she's <laughs> that reservation of one. No, out of no, here. no, no, you don't understand. This is a sell by day. <laughs> this is a sell by day. We could go a couple more days. <laughs> We're good. We're good if we eat it right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. So then she's like, well, look, I have to keep the expiration date. And his friends being creepy, I can't do this. Like, I have to separate myself from him completely. It is a pretty bad situation. Yeah. So now she goes over there to his new place that he's staying at. And she's pretty much breaks up with him and is like, look, we did what we did. We're still friends. I appreciate you. But at the end of this thing, like, we we did what we came for. Right? My favorite thing is when people in romance novels, and I realize we're not that many episodes into our podcast, but so far my favorite thing is when they're like, we're we have a been up to this point and we'll continue to be f- definitely just friends i mean yeah definitely just what are you friends. talking about hey that's the whole point when we hey. talked about repackaging look we had storyline look we had sex we're still friends which we have been this whole time which remember they both think the other person is in love with somebody else very normal friends and the best part about this breakup okay is that instead of like fighting for her, he's like, whatever you want to do, whatever uh, makes you happiest and whatever you need in this moment. I want to be here to support you. If you ever need anything, you call me. And I appreciate this because I most times it. it's like the mental breakdown of men who can't handle their egos and emotions because they don't know how to express them. And this is Adam just being like, mm-hmm. if this is what she wants, I have to respect it. Yeah. The reason I did a really big sigh is because. I, not the characters in these book, know that if they had simply stated their feelings out to each other, all the conflict would resolve. We would have lost about uh, 70 70 pages. So um, anyway. That's why I didn't write the book. So what's the natural response then after she gets done doing this? Uh, Well, I hope it's not to go try and talk to Jeremy because you don't have to pretend to like that dude just because you sort of pretend No, Jeremy so does not matter at this point. So, okay, we're good with that. Is she she gonna go to Boston? No, they're they're in Boston for the for the okay. So they're in Boston. Sorry, I should have just. Oh, it's okay. Um, well, they broke up. So they broke up. What's the natural (sighs) thing you do after a breakup? This isn't hard. Hope. I know. I would just go home and cry. Yeah, that's exactly to... what she does. Oh well, you phrased it like it would be something crazy. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of crying home. in this. There's a lot of crying in this hotel room. Oh, so she awesome. goes, "Yeah, go cry. Fuck, that sucks." Now I'm gonna, I'm gonna remind you of something really quick. Are you ready? Are you Is settled the, in? There's the two bedrooms in the one hotel room. <laughs> no. and... Okay, go ahead. Two beds don't matter anyway. But by, by the way, those were... Dr. Adam Driver was also had his hotel key. I was like, sorry, I forgot some stuff. Is it okay? Oh, she did bring him a charger he left at the hotel. It would be kind of funny if he was like, actually, something happened at my hotel room. I do have to sleep in this room, but we're on separate beds. So if you could just cry quiet, that would be cool for me. (laughs) On your bed over there. Yeah, could you just like keep your emotions? Is it okay if I keep the TV? I'm just going to watch HGTV until I fall asleep. (laughs) Is that okay? I can turn it down. Well, Or if you're crying, I can turn it up. I can turn it way up. And um, by the way, those beds were like only like double twin beds, you know, like a double bed. They weren't like a queen or a king size bed. Oh, so that that also adds a layer of suckingness. I think most hotels have two queens. Yeah, most of them do. Anyway, so I'm going to remind you of something. Uh-huh. Do you remember that recording she she made for of her speech for her advisor back at Stanford? 
Uh-huh. Wouldn't it be super helpful if she didn't turn it off immediately and happened to capture the whole interaction with Tom on tape? It would be super helpful. And I'm so glad you said that because I had to this point suspended my disbelief so high, high in the sky. I hadn't even thought of that as a thing that could have very easily solved all of our problems. Sure. So she has this story. So she did think she didn't even think that part through, which I would think that if you didn't turn off that recording and you grabbed your phone it's later, probably you still, still recording right now the recording, but that's fine. Whatever. Right. So, and, and if, if it's its own separate camera, then yeah, it has been recording for this all, all of this time. Yes. It's just still there. So it doesn't matter, but, um, her friends get involved and her bestie on realizes she was fake dating and feels bad for pushing her into all those awkward situations and blah, blah, blah. It does not matter. They're all fine. So they hop, uh, hop over to Holden, um, Malcolm's new boy, boo, boyfriend. Boo, boo I think boyfriend. I was going to ask if there would be a spinoff book about those. Two. I wish there should be, but, uh, she talks to him and th- like, doesn't reveal the stuff about Tom. Mm-hmm. yet but he admits he's like tom's a little sneaky snake sneaky sneaky sneak because tom <laughs> would set adam up for failure all the time and then swoop in and save the day and look like a hero like why do you guys college? hang out <laughs> well no from the beginning holden has hated tom but he's like she's like why didn't you tell adam this and he's like i never had proof so it just looked like me being a jealous friend but he said I literally know that he would set him up for failure for these shitty situations. And then he'd come in and save Adam's ass and look like the best friend. Right. Mm -hmm. So then he also reveals that between Tom and Adam's collaboration, Tom benefits more from Adam being in the collaboration. Like Adam doesn't need Tom. Right. Tom needs Adam. Yeah. And so then Adam has also courted a bunch of interview offers for jobs at different universities, like over the years, like countless offers, even Harvard has asked him multiple times and he turns them down. He says he didn't take the interview with Harvard until you had accepted the job to work at Harvard. And he literally ends the chapter with being like, do with that what you will. (laughs) He's like, my work here is done. Maybe I should have said that off the top. But that's fine. We nope. got around to it eventually. <laughs> got around to it eventually. Everybody, buckle in. Get get your get your uh, safety harness on. We're gonna buckle in because we are going into romantic, big romantic gesture moment. Okay. That was me buckling a really large yeah. seatbelt. We're all buckled in. So she goes to the restaurant that Adam is having dinner at with. Tom and a bunch of like fat headed big wigs from uh, Harvard because mm-hmm. he did that interview. Uh, yes. And she like walks in and he immediately sees her from his table and he like gets up and walks over and is like, uh-huh. Hey girl, what's up? What's you doing here? What's you doing in a what? place like this? And who's right behind him, but mother effing Tom, who's like ready to intervene. And she, he's like, Hey, you, you know, you need to leave. Like your boyfriend's up for a really big job here. And like, you need to like leave. And, and Adam's like, shut up, Tom. I'm trying to talk to her. Like, and then through all the bickering, she just starts playing the tape. And you just hear Tom just railing on her. I had forgotten about the tape. And I was like, what instrument did she bring? Just starts playing it, playing the flute. uh, I was going to say lute. Just the lute. Starts playing the lute. Does a little jiggy. 
dance. Incredible. Anyway, sorry. So yes, he's that's playing better. And everybody kind of stops and is listening. And he's like, he, Tom's like freaking out. He's like, oh my gosh, no, this bitch, I blah, 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 blah. And like starts freaking out. And of course, Adam is Oops. livid. Yeah. And he well. pins Tom against the wall. And he says, this is a long quote. So settle in. I'm, I'm going to the- kill you. If you say another word about the woman I love, if you look at her, if you even think about her, I'm going to fucking kill you. Actually, I will kill you anyway. Oh. End quote. You can't kill people. That's a crime. So she gets him to back off. But obviously this doesn't look good when you have physically assaulted your coworker in front of his coworkers and his bosses. Is it worse than what was on the tape we all heard? What do you mean? So she played the tape. Yeah. Right? In front of all these people. So I don't Not think- all the people were there when this happened. Oh, okay. I was it was just say- Tom and, and Adam. <laughs> the contents of the tape are worse than attacking Tom. Got it. So okay. so she he gets her she gets him to back down and like mm-hmm. everyone's now gathering around being like, what the heck's going on? This is so unprofessional, blah blah blah. And like Adam's taking no shit. And he actually turns to like, because obviously Tom is from the Harvard faculty. So these are all his colleagues and his bosses. So he turns to his boss and was like, we're going to go to your office and I'm going to have a little chat with you about your employee. Yeah. And so Adam is like, hey, send me that audio file. He turns to Olive and says, send me that audio file. I'm going to take care of this and I'm going to take care of you. So he whisks away these Harvard people and every, she goes back to the hotel. And at this point she's like, I don't even know what's going on, but we're all heading back on separate flights. Okay. So she's like mm-hmm. on her way home though, she is getting hella emails because there's all these people who are offering to have her work in their lab because they saw her speech at the oh. conference. Yay. Yay. Um, so then, uh, they had different flights back to Stanford and then Olive like is hanging out. And for some reason we decide to go into a double date situation right after they land between Holden and Malcolm and Olive and Adam seems pointless, but whatever we have Why a not? little like lighthearted moment. And Holden is like, yeah, it's crazy. He's been pining after you for years since he met you in that bathroom. Aw, shit. So then she's like, okay, so I was the mystery woman he was in love with for years. And then she kind of reveals that, like, I knew it was you, too. Aw. Thank you. So they get alone, and they have kind of this heart-to-heart where Adam tells her, like, obviously, Harvard is going to fire Tom. Like, that's what I was doing. I would hope. Yeah. Yeah. And, like... (laughs) The Title IX coordinator is going to reach out to you about, you know, being harassed and blah, blah, So blah. much Title IX talk in this book. Yes. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Title IX for the win. Anyway. Um, so he also confesses that he's like, I obviously met you in that bathroom, but like I've kept an eye on you over the years, like in a non-creepy way. Like I'd see you at events. I'd see mm-hmm. you around the halls. I, I saw you like take care of another professor's kids at a picnic when it started raining. Or I like, like all I, I attended one of your speeches when people were doing elevator pitches. Like yeah. oh. I like, I've kind of like slowly fallen in love with you all these years. Like, and um, she's like, by the way, I am so sorry because I need to tell you two really important things. And she's having a hard time getting to the point. But finally, she says, first thing is, 
I'm so sorry that I made you think I was in love with somebody else. I was never in love with Jeremy. And second thing, <laughs> Jeremy did that, fuck all this whole book. He basically he, wasn't here. Yeah, Jeremy didn't really matter. But the second thing is I'm in love with you. So that's where the chapter, the story ends. But the epilogue is... Oh, an epilogue. The epilogue is kind of just a fun scene where they reenact their midnight kiss at the water fountain a year later. So oh, anyway. With consent this with time. Consent, with consent. With consent. Great. So, <laughs> hey, that's our book. What do you think? What a treat. Had a great time. Yeah. It was a good time. I'm um, sorry for all, how heavy my disbelief was. I just had a, such a hard time suspending it today. It, it is a thin line of being like, okay, these are really smart people, but they're acting kind of dumb. And also, like, I can't even imagine sitting back and being like, hey, I'm going to kiss this rando guy who looks very familiar. Oh, happens to be right. the moody professor. Well, and also, I'm coming in pretty, pretty, I mean... Not that my research is ever that serious or that the topics are ever like super, super, well, not that they're not, sometimes they're serious, but you know what I mean? Like I'm coming in pretty like sciencey, researchy minded, and I really don't give a lot of thought to the like goofy environment Yeah, off the jump. I know you need to like get, you need to like settle in a little, you know? I need, I need you to give me like five sentence into the storyline before you start hammering me with disbelief. It's not fair. Okay. So before we get too far um, into our scores, do you want to just explain what this book looks like for me? Yes. Well, now that I know it's pretty much supposed to straight rip off Kylo Ren and Ray, I can see that in the cover. Um, yeah. So we have... <laughs> We have Olive and we have Dr. Adam Driver and they're, cause that's what I call him. I know Driver is not his last name. Yes. Um, <laughs> and they're kissing and they're in a lab. You can see like the test tubes and uh, other glass vials full of chemicals. It says the love hypothesis. It's a New York Times bestseller. Congratulations, Allie, on your New York Times bestseller. Um, yeah. It's a cute cover. I like the art a lot. Yeah, it's it's super cute. I do love this. Uh, sometimes rom-coms, especially cartoony looking rom-com books um, are a little lackluster. Mm -hmm. um, but this one I think is really cute. And her all of her books have, I, I want to think that they have the same cover artist, I would like to think, because they all look very similar. Um, mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it's fun. So let's go through diversity out of five. What are you giving it? Four? Three, I, four? I gave it a four. So cool. Yeah. I mean, it's, I wish that, I mean, it's cool that <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to wish you watched the statement almost immediately. It's cool that the main characters were immigrants. Uh, did it indicate that whatever I, it felt to me like there was more diversity in secondary characters and we could have yes. had even more diversity in primary characters. Which is That's why I'm, I'm giving it the four, because even yeah. though the book has a lot of scene with the side characters, they are not instrumental to the plot mm -hmm. as much as they think they are. And even like Tom is a white guy. And like, you know what I mean? And not that we want to vilify our characters of color, but I'm just saying like, everybody who is instrumental to mm -hmm. the actual plot yeah in fairness though a white guy being evil really tracks for me that so. does it sure does okay what are you going to give the plot out of five plot five i thought it was fun 
I gave it a four. Now going back, um, because I said to Hope before we got started, I said we could actually this book was water like I could water it down really easily. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of side conversations that like did not need to happen. It gave a lot of nice fluff, which I'm typically not a fluff person, but it I liked the fluff. It just the plot wise was it could have given me a little more, just a mm-hmm. little more, like a little more funky situations that they somehow get in, you know. Um, smut. I'm going to be honest. This might mm-hmm. be controversial. Mm-hmm. I'm giving it a two. I think that's fine. I'm going to give you an opposite controversial rating. <gasps> and the reason that I'm going to give it a five is not because it's, look, hear me out. This is going to sound crazy. You didn't see this curveball coming. It is not because it was incredibly like erotic, wild and out, yeah. five alarm fire, spicy content. I... I'm so thrilled at the portrayal of normal people being like just normal insecure people having an insecure encounter. I think more books could have scenes be like that. It's not all perfect and cool. Um, I think I, I think I I really appreciated that about the approach and I didn't even re- actually read it just from like, I, the yeah. description alone. I think that's cool. And I said the same thing when we did Anthony Bridgerton's book, um, mm-hmm. which is like, they had those funny goofy moments while they were in bed. Like it's not always hot and heavy. It's not right. always graceful and whatnot. So I, I can see, I can see why you gave it a five and I appreciate yeah. it. What are you giving the cover? Cover uh four. I like the cover. I think it's cute. I gave the cover a five. Um, I always think I have to give it in like reference to what it is. So it's like mm-hmm. more a rom-com. This is a five. Whereas like, if it was a sure, fantasy, sure. I would want more art, you know, Whereas if it were, you know, a contemporary lit, it would be something else. So mine ended up being a 75% and yours ended up being a 90%. That is the highest score you have ever given. Maybe one day I'll read it. Maybe one day you will. Um, (laughs) Just forget the whole plot that I just gave you. Just uh, Um, rewind this whole moment. So give me your what the smut moment at the end of this all. I mean, it's it's the part I couldn't suspend my disbelief for, which is somehow having enough time to ID a person in the hallway as a candidate you could ask to kiss, taking the time to ask them to kiss you, getting a response, not taking a full time to hear that response, kissing that person, and then realizing, oh, it's that one guy who's an asshole we always talk about at work. <laughs> okay, I feel like when we do these, we always have a what the smut moment that's actually smutty and then what the smut moment that's a plot based thing. So I appreciate that. I recognize it. Yeah. I agree with you. Uh Absolutely. Do you have another, any what the smut moments otherwise? I mean, the scene in which they're together isn't, isn't a scene that I would be like, whoa, that's crazy. Uh, They're like, I, I think that uh threatening someone and blackmailing them is pretty fucked up so like i guess that could be a what the smut moment but other than that honestly not really i am going to say my what the smut moment there's a couple of them one of which is sitting on his lap during that lecture did not make sense yeah did not make sense i would like to backtrack to say although this wasn't like a direct part of the plot I would like to. I would like to also have a what the smoke moment be. Whoever very casually blurted out like, "Yeah, we all fuck around in lectures in college. Yeah. We all just like really finger blast each other during class at school." Like, 
wild wild to me not at my college as it turns out i was taking the wrong classes no ma'am what um my sorry mother, i must have fully blacked that out that i is, know that was insane whenever i think about this book i do think of that moment and of him like just being chill everybody being chill with her sitting on his lap during a lecture um but that that upsets me on a deep level but my other what the smut moment is if you really take a step back and think of these characters this is a man who has been crushing on this woman for three years and he <laughs> finally gets to have sex with her in a fake essentially situation uh, and so the whole time they're having sex there are these moments where he's kind of like hinting that like this is all i've ever wanted my dreams <laughs> oh my gosh my dreams then, came true and then poor homeboy just gets completely ghosted or like friend zoned essentially at the end um but they all get together it's fine yeah so uh i do love that she's like you're gonna be down there for a while and he's like thank god he literally responds like thank goodness this is great Sweet. so hey that is our book there it is there it is and we just hope that you guys um, always ask for consent. Always ask for consent. Um, and always ID the person you're going to kiss before you, uh, like, have them whip out literally their driver's license. Their, their Adam driver's license. Adam driver's license. Thank and you. And also, if you're going to make fan fiction, ask for permission and maybe don't sell it. Unless, unless it's Hasbro. <laughs> then we're fine. Well, you still don't sell it, but follow their guidelines. Oh, yeah. Just follow their guidelines. All right. Goodbye. Bye.